latest in the Bova News podcast series. I'm your host, Kim Bremer. And in this Bova News highlight series, we'll be speaking with each of the four outstanding dairy farm recipients of the 2022 Innovation Center for U.S. Dairy Sustainability Award winners. These prestigious awards have recognized more than 80 winners from nearly 300 nominees since the program's creation in 2012. This year's winners have been recognized for their forward thinking and regenerative efforts showing what it means to be a true environmental solution. Joining us today is Dwayne Ducat with Deer Run Dairy, a 1,650 cow dairy farm located in Kewanee, Wisconsin. Welcome, Dwayne. Hi, Kim. It's great to be here. Now, Deer Run has a great story that has helped get you to where you are today. Can you tell us a little bit about the history of the farm and yourself? Um, well, we, we started farming in this, in, in this area, or that, this farm in 1983. Uh, we started with about 80 cows, um, and we slowly grew to around 130 cows around uh, 2005, 2000, that time frame. Uh, at that time, we, we started looking at uh, expanding the dairy uh, to a, a parlor situation. We were in a stall barn, rather it was a nice stall barn, uh, tunnel ventilated. Uh, we had we we had great production, but we wanted to get into uh, be able to take advantage of uh, today's technology or the technology at that time. So we we did a lot of research, looked into different uh, styles of ventilation, decided on a cross ventilated barn, and uh, we we put in a herringbone parlor, uh, and we included uh, the Affy milk system. Uh, as far as the, the, the keeping track of the production on the cows at that time, it was built in 2008, uh, and we started milking in October of that year. Um, so I always worked off the farm during all of this. I, I worked 44 years at the local Point Beach nuclear plant here, so been a very busy time. I had uh, great involvement with uh, my kids and uh to help out with the farm so it got us to where we are today uh, milking 1650 cows uh, we started in 2008 we started with 800 and in 2011 we built on another section of the barn to get to 1200 and in early 16 we did the final uh, uh 400 cows that we added to get up to that 1600 1650 in the in the barn milking in 2011, we added a digester to the farm. Uh, prior to that, we were buying uh, bedding. Uh, we, we, we knew that we were going to build a digester here because we, we wanted to use the mineral solids for bedding. Um, so that happened in 2011 and uh, we, have, we have good luck with that. So I think one of the more unique things about your farm is its actual location. Can you give people an idea? Uh, and it, it certainly comes with challenges and great opportunities, but as far as how close you are to Lake Michigan and the shallow bedrock you have to deal with. Yes, we, we are located within seven miles of Lake Jim. We actually have land that we rent that uh, if you walk too far, you're gonna be in the lake. Um, and, uh, you know, in this area, we have uh, soil depths that vary from, you know, a, a foot to 80 feet. There's a uh, fractured bedrock in the area. So we have to be very deliberate in, in 
how we apply uh, manure, the nutrients, you know, to the field. Um, and that is a, a, a big reason why we do the conservation practices that we do. So let's dig in a little bit on some of the different uh, sustainable practices that you do. I know one of the big ones is you made the decision to be uh, have 100% of your cropland uh, planted into cover crops. And there's uh, many things that you do on your farm, but can you walk us through some of the conservation practices that you do? Well, we, we, we've always kind of strived to get as many cover crops as we can planted and uh, last year was a great year, so it enabled us to get to that point where we have uh, all of our, our, we didn't have any bare ground this last winter, it was completely covered in, in, in cover crops. Um, we also practice uh, no-till now, we, we no-till into green crops. Um, we are, we, we utilized some low disturbance manure applications. We, we, we do split applications of manure through the summer on our alfalfa fields if, it, if, the, if the ground is uh, dry enough or not, not too wet. We, we try and apply manure after every uh, hay crop and uh, that works out really well in getting, getting a hay crop started. Usually if you can get that, that drink on there right away, it gets it to start back growing and, and hopefully you can get a, a rain in between there and it's generally enough to, to make a decent hay crop. Um, so this year we also, we've done it in the past, but we did it in a little bit larger scale. We uh, co-seeded a cover crop with, with our corn, uh, which we planted a triple blend or a blend of species in, in right before we planted the corn uh, and being as cool and uh, slow growing as it was early, I, I think it was an advantage to the cover crop and not to the corn. So the cover crop really uh, took off like crazy and the corn was struggling. So we, we ended up terminating some of that cover, but we believe that some of the clovers and uh, buckwheat underneath the uh, turnips and radishes that were planted won't be affected by it. So we'll still have a cover there come this fall. And uh, we also did interseeding uh, in the corn here. And that is that is looking really good. Uh, it, it, and, and the goal there is to have cover right after you take the corn off so it can start growing it's not it's not delayed like when you, when you have to when you go out and plant after corn first of all you got to make sure you're there to plant right away and second of all it takes time for that to, to start growing so we'll have something green and growing immediately after the corn is taken off that's that's our goal there how many acres are we talking about Dwayne? uh we're we usually are right around 1200 acres of corn silage give or take a little bit uh, we have 900 acres of alfalfa and, and uh, usually about 200 acres of wheat that we always get a cover in right after uh, we, we harvest the wheat. We, get a, we put a triple blend in there and get the cover crop going. We have really good results with that. We used to do a summer seeded alfalfa after wheat and uh, we, we've since we've done that now we've converted to go to a cover crop 
and then we we plant into that cover uh, in the spring with, with uh, alfalfa and, and whatever grasses we add to it. And we've had really good luck with that. You know, you get to the point you want a really nice seedbed for a smooth field for harvesting alfalfa through the following years. And uh, so we make sure that's prepped properly for when we put our wheat in. And if, if it has to be worked to make it level, we will. But generally, we've been lucky enough since the wet years of 18 and 19 that our fields are smooth enough that we can just uh, uh, use the no-till method. And we've had great luck with that. Uh, years ago, when you would you know, prep the field in the spring and go in with a brilliant cedar and plant it. And then you, you'd always get this one heavy rain and you'd have little washouts here and there. Uh, and, and that's what we're trying to really avoid. And, and planting into a cover with that or, or no-tilling alfalfa into that has been working really great for us. And it protects the soil. So shifting gears a little bit, uh, you have a digester on your farm. Can you talk a little bit about it, uh, how you've utilized it and the environmental impact it's had for your dairy? Yeah, we, uh, we always had the goal of building a digester. I was looking at digesters way back in the late 80s. I never did it. It was on a much smaller scale, but uh, it was built in 2011 and uh, we generated electricity with the, the gas up until 2020. After that, it was converted to uh, renewable natural gas. Uh, we, we utilize the bedding that uh, comes off that digester and we're able to do that. I mean, it, it's separated manure solids, but the uh, pathogen reduction is a thousand fold. Uh, so you're, it's like one tenth of 1% of what was originally there. Or another way of looking at it is, is a thousand cows uh, becomes one cow as far as the pathogen loading in that manure. Uh, so we use we use deep bedded stalls, so it's a renewable bedding source. Um, and the other thing that we really appreciate is the reduced odor from the manure when we put it on the fields. It is it's a significant reduction in, in odor, which our neighbors and landlords all appreciate. The methane, we, there's 120,000 cubic feet per day of methane produced. Uh, it's the equivalent of energy use of 578 homes. Uh, so we, we, we're really uh, glad we have a digester here. Now, you're also quite known in the industry for being a leader in research and innovation. And I know that your farm actively participates in Wisconsin's Demonstration Farm Network and our Discovery Research Program. Uh, can you give us a little bit, uh, any information on the most recent trials or things that you're working on? Well, um, like I mentioned, the co-seeding and interseeding are some trials. We're uh, through Peninsula Pride. Uh, we're working with Houston Engineering, which uh, will uh, give us metrics to look at uh, you know, if you have this type of soil and you do this practice, these are the results you can expect. You know, and that's a three-year study that's going on with them. On the farm here, we uh, started feeding uh, a, a angle and feed additive that is supposed to give us a 9% reduction in uh, the, the cow's methane or the gas production or that, they, that they give off. With that comes a 4.4% a, a uh, efficiency in, in uh, 
feeding, you know, gaining efficiency with feed. Um, so we're looking, we started that a, a, a month or two ago. We're going to look for the results on that. They, they, they uh, are, Anglin is claiming that it's a, it's a pretty, they've had pretty good luck that, that these are the results we're going to see. So we're looking forward to that. Um, and we're always trying different things, looking for different things. Uh, you know, uh, interceding is a challenge. Uh, it's just enough, it's another step you have to do. So if we can come up with the right uh, blend to make co-seeding or the, the seeding ahead of time with a 40-foot drill versus a, a, a six-row uh, interceder or even a 16-row interceder, it's, it's, it's much easier to do that ahead of time. We're looking at trying to make that work. Um, we're, we're always doing different things. Um, looking at, you know, we've got the SCR collars, they're very helpful. We've always had taffy milk, uh, but that doesn't give you rumination and our dry cows didn't, didn't have, we, we had no way of measuring what, how they were doing now that these collars would do. So we'll keep up with that technology and keep, keep improving there. So in terms of other technology as well, uh, when looking at opportunities to create a more efficient and sustainable herd of cows, have you ever considered using feed conversion efficiency genetics? We're always looking at, you know, the, anytime I think you're looking at improving the uh, production of the cow, you're, you're playing a part in that. Um, and I, I think it's, for me, that's a relatively new, thing coming. Uh, I, I believe they're actually looking at the, the genetics of the cow to see, you know, the difference on how they convert feed, you know, if they're more efficient that way, uh, specific genes, I believe. And I've heard a little about it. One of the AIs has talked about it with us, but uh, I think generally we're, we've always been doing it but not in that, not, not genetically overall, it's, we've been trying to do that. So I think that's, that's new and coming and we will, we'll be looking at it. That's as much as I know about that. And you're also involved in your local community and telling the story of agriculture. How has the community reacted to your sustainability and environmental efforts? Well, through PPF and, and, you know, farm to fork, uh, we have different events. Uh, last year, we had a summer uh, luncheon here, uh, and Rick Clark spoke. Uh, we had the soil pit at the same time with Barry Bubolts and Jamie Patton. Um, and, the, you know, it, it's local farms and also and any, any other local people that want to come in. And, uh, we have a very positive response from them. I, the, they, they're surprised at what we're doing. They, they're surprised or, um, at uh, the, how in-depth we go to uh, do the things we do. Um, at Farm to Fork, we, we give the tours of the dairy and, and we included that soil pit in that tour and the comments that I heard after they were, they were more interested in looking at the the, the soil and, and the roots system and what Jamie was talking about at that time. They, they were more impressed with that than they were with the, the tour of the dairy. So it was great to see that they're really interested in it. 
And I think that's generally been, you know, when we have uh, conservation conversations monthly and we have people that aren't farmers come to them, those, that, that portion of the crowd, I think they're impressed with what's going on. I, I think they're, they're learning from what we are doing. And I think they believe that we're really trying to do the right thing because of, of you know, being transparent and showing them what we're doing. Well said. You are clearly an innovator in the dairy industry. What advice do you have for other dairymen and women who are looking at ways to improve their dairies to support the industry by 2050 environmental stewardship goals? I think you need to uh, just stay aware of, of the new technologies, the advances and things that are coming, like, like maybe the Agilent feed additive or feed additives. I mean, the, the, the goals to uh, they changed the wording a little bit for the 2050 goal of uh, to achieve greenhouse gas neutrality. Uh, you know, we're we're always looking for ways to optimize you know water use and, and recycling uh, of of the water. Um, you know, using it to cool the milk, uh, and then you know you you're, you're utilizing water in the right way by putting manure on the fields to, you know, be, be careful with how you're applying it and, and uh, you know, you're, you're reusing that water, it's recycling the nutrients also. I mean, the cows use, use the nutrients in the feed and whatever's left over, we're applying to the field. Uh, and I just think that they, you know, look at what your neighbors are doing. If there's somebody that's, uh, you know, utilizing new methods. Uh, don't be afraid to go see what, what's happening on that farm. Uh, pay attention to what demo farms are doing. These uh, local uh, farmer-led watershed groups are, are a great way to uh, see what's happening uh, to be more sustainable. Uh, that would be some of the advice I have for, you know, the future farms here, farmers. And where can people go to learn more about Deer Run Dairy? Well, you can you can watch us at the demo farms. Uh, you know, we're part of the, the Door County County demo farms. Uh, PPF covers off uh, covers some of the things that we're doing for sure. Um, right now, you can look in a lot of different newspapers to see what what we do based on our sustainability award because uh, we're getting coverage there. Uh, we, we do have a, a web page, but we need to work on that. We'll, we'll keep improving that. Um, so that's, you know, that's that's all I can say there. You know, we're definitely with uh, Peninsula Pride Farms. We're heavily involved with that in the demo farms. Well, thanks for taking the time with us today, Dwayne. We appreciate it. I wish you continued success at Deer Run Dairy and all that you do. Uh, we offer our sincere thanks and admiration for being an exceptional leader and ambassador representing uh, our dairy industry well. This wraps up our Bova News podcast for today. If you like what you heard, be sure to follow Bova News on your favorite podcast subscription service. And while you're at it, follow us on the various social media platforms. Also, be sure to check out our YouTube page and our website, bovanews.com, for more information and alerts to upcoming podcasts and webinars. This has been your host, Kim Bremer. And from everyone at Bova News, have a great day.